And we are off. It is 9.01 a.m. U.S. Pacific Daylight Time. Thursday, August 10th, 2023 A.D. Happy Men's History Month. I will be having a guest on live with me, Asmodor, who is on the line right now. Asmodor uh, of the Crypto Report. I call him our resident historian. We're going to talk about some men's history and some uh, last month was White History Month. He enjoyed that. He is a fellow fan of the JLP show and, and church in the fallen state. Ezra, are you there? Just going to double check. I am, I am here. Nice. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that you are here. Uh, anything that you want to touch on that we can preview for the people before we get started here? Well, no, I'm, I'm uh, here for whatever you want to talk about today, James. Nice. I did want to talk about uh, men staying out of the meddling with with different things. We saw some meddling people maybe with the boat fight and maybe on the right there's some meddling and infighting and taking sides. I think it's manly yeah. to stay out of that mess. I did want to touch on cackling Kamala Harris's comments on uh, the possible benefits of slavery being taught in uh, Florida. You may have a distinct view from the Florida historians, Asmador. Uh, I might. (laughs) (laughs) And I did also want to touch on the DOJ, the history of the DOJ, because I've mentioned something that I've heard on your show, the crypto report, crypto with a K, that the feds were basically created to go after the whites, the southerners, the states' rights people, the free men. So all that and your calls, we will be taking your calls, guys, if you would like to call in. But anyway, everybody, let's get right on. With the show! One, two, three, four. Oh, it's the Hague Report. The Hague Report. La, la, la. Oh, it's the Hague Report. The Hague Report. La, la, la. Hey, guys! Oh, it's the Hague Report. The Hague Report. La, la, la. So, how y'all doing? I am fine. I am wearing one of my uh, La 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 The Hake Report t-shirts. It is. Uh, it says La 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 in tall letters here across my face. Here, the white face. And it's bright red. There's a darker red version of it that I may somewhat prefer. It's designed by uh, Lock Your Door. It's a... Uh, it, do, it is not 100% cotton. I do prefer 100% cotton. We don't sweat too much here on, in, uh, in uh, California because it's not so humid, and I'm closer to the coast than I ever have been here in L.A. But, uh, yeah, and then Asmodor is audio only here, but we do have some pictures, drawings of him as seen on, in the comic books. <laughs> it's a comic book-esque anyway. Uh, so, let's get on, let's get started here with Asmodor. He is my guest today. He's host of the Crypto Report. 
a once great show, as it states on his telegram, t.me slash tkrofficial, the crypto report. Legendary radio and podcast host, longtime pro-America activist, that's Asmodor, talented writer and storyteller, as many of you already know, and our resident historian, as I reference uh, quite frequently, much maligned by all the worst groups, SPLC, ADL, probably, I think, uh, mainstream media, some very unchristian and mama-hate-filled anti-white people. Welcome, Asmodor. He is, li- he is live on Odyssey oftentimes, A-Z-Z-M-A-D-O-R. Uh, Gab, you can find him there. Kick, even. And, of course, Telegram, TKR Official, um, short for The Crypto Report. Welcome, Asmodor. Thank you for joining The Hake Report, your debut appearance. Oh. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, the, the once great show thing is <laughs> kind of tongue-in-cheek. I, I say that because... Um, it's been deplatformed so badly. <laughs> yeah, so it's hard. It's hard to find it, even on the uh, even on the alt tech platforms that I, that uh, are the alt tech platform that I'm on. Oh, you know, we're shadow banned really badly. People people can't. Uh, you can't just go on Odyssey, and if we're streaming, no matter how many people are watching, you can't find us. The, the only way people find us is for uh, myself and listeners of the show and so forth to get links and hot links in front of them that they can click on. So, um, you know, as far as the views and things go, that kind of takes away from the greatness. <laughs> right. And that is interesting. And that's, that is so common in the, um, I guess, white world, the, uh, the pro-America people, the independent thinkers, that it's uh, talking about marginalized <laughs> discriminated against uh, the generally the Christian, white, manly, pro-America people. You're you're kind of the tip of the spear in terms of the censored uh, men who are on, uh, and it happens to JLP to a, a lesser extent than you apparently. Well, it's Less, happening to you too, right? Yeah, it is. It's. I mean, I've got. I'm off of YouTube right now for COVID nineteen vaccine misinformation, and as you know, I disavow all misinformation, disinformation, malinformation. <laughs> but it's not yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even talk about or care about the vaccines, honestly. And nor do right, I let my right. callers do it. Well, it's it's crazy that they're that they're still uh, doing that about the vaccines, and I, you know, I I don't want to go into it on your show too heavily because right. I know you're waiting to get, you're wanting to get your uh, YouTube channel back and I don't blame you because that's where the viewers are. Right. Right. But, but, um, it's just, uh, you know, without, without going into detail about anything, a, a lot of the people who are, uh, pushing for all the censorship and pushing for all the universal acceptance of it and everything are coming out and admitting now, okay, maybe we, weren't 100% correct about all that, and they're still doing that to you over on YouTube, huh? Yeah, yeah. And I don't even remember mentioning it in the... It was on my birthday stream, and a few weeks later they censored it, and I, I checked back on my notes. I don't even remember talking about it. So yeah. I don't know if it's algorithm or somebody flagging it or, or both, but yeah. you, you appeal, they reject, and all kinds of mess. They recently demonetized Jesse's other channels... Bond and the Fallen State on YouTube as well. So, 
Uh, well, I mean, that was an accomplishment to ever have them monetized in the first place. Right. Uh, <laughs> back when um, when the YouTube live streams first started becoming a thing, um, early on they wouldn't let you uh, live stream without monetizing, right? They, they changed that pretty quickly, but I wanted to live stream on YouTube. This was, I don't know, twenty the early 2016, something like that. And when I went to set up a live stream, he said, well, you have to have a monetized account to do it. And I said, well, okay. And I had wow. a pretty big YouTube, I had a pretty big YouTube account. So I applied for the monetization and they, and I thought, oh, you know, they'll get back to me right away. And I was thinking, ah, oh, they're never going to let me have it, but you know, who knows, maybe. And, uh, it, it took them about seven months <laughs> before they answered me and they they basically answered me like ha, 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 yeah right wow. but uh by by that time they they had allowed people to uh uh stream without monetizing but yeah the, the the algorithms are really really powerful on youtube um when i first started streaming uh i was streaming on youtube and i was probably on I don't know my fifteenth or twentieth YouTube account because you know, like say I'm 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 very censored, and a, a lot of that is because um, I, I used to be be very very purposely um, provocative and flamboyant to you know c- grab people's attention and get them to come in and listen or to go to you know whichever website I might happen to be writing for at the time and that kind of thing. And it didn't matter because back in the day, if you got kicked off of YouTube or kicked off of Twitter or whatever, you just made another one, right? But the, these algorithms are so nuts now. By the time I started, uh, I think it was 2018, I started live streaming um, on on YouTube. I had been podcasting for years and writing for a lot longer than that. Uh, the algorithms were so powerful. I knew that like on YouTube, you couldn't you know, just go pick whatever your favorite song was today and play that to start your show because they they had these algorithms that were so powerful that they would detect a couple of notes of a song with a copyright on it and it would immediately end your show, right? Yeah. But it was so bad. Um, on election day, um, I did, uh, 2016 election day, the day Trump got elected, I, I did this huge um, live stream where I had a lot of guests, and I started really early in the morning, a couple hours before the polls opened on the East Coast, and we kept going until it was confirmed, you know, late that night that Trump had been elected and and um, and stayed on a good bit longer than that. But we had to keep shunting the uh, stream from one channel to another because we we started on my channel, and one of my guests had a TV on in the background wow. behind him. He just, the, the TV was on, and it was on CNN, and it was silent and everything. We weren't even playing it. And they picked that up and copy-struck the channel. And Oh, man. And we went over to another channel, and um, they copy-struck us for, like, fair use playing. It, it was around the time that the tide started to turn, and the New York Times calculator started saying, okay, so maybe it looks like Hillary's not going to win. And I played a short clip of that, which is totally fair use. I mean, we're right. covering an election, right? And they struck that channel. So it was it was like an 18-hour live stream, but it had to go across three people's YouTube channels <laughs> to get the whole thing done That's pretty in funny. one day. Yeah. That's, 
and they've gotten better in some ways and, and worse in some ways. A strike used to mean you were off the channel for three months. You couldn't even upload or something like that. Yeah. It was like you couldn't upload anything longer than 15 minutes. So they've gotten some a little bit more reasonable in some ways and then just gotten away with it and off the deep end evil in other ways well, I mean, erasing people. Did they tell you specifically that the reason that you're – your channel got the strike was because of the vaccine. Well, that stuff. was it. Said what to look for: medical misinformation and specifically the, which is unusual. Like that's the most specific I've ever seen for a strike that I've received. And I've received. Yeah, several. that's what. That's what I was going to say, and and it's not just YouTube that does it, but it it's this horrible thing that they do, and and also it's because of algorithm stuff. Yeah, but they they will say okay your channel has received a strike or your channel has been, this is the thing I love the most. It's just totally Orwellian language, you know, right out of 1984, your, your channel or your account has been permanently suspended. Wait, no, permanent (laughs) and suspended are contradictions in terms. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, but, uh, but anyway, they would never give a reason. They would say, because you have violated our terms of service, for more information, click here, and they'd give you a link to their terms of service and community guidelines, and you go read them, and like, okay, it could either be all of these things or none. I, <laughs> I don't know. know. <laughs> so. It's like it's purposely vague so that they can just get away with uh, selectively enforcing it against the whites, the Christians, the conservatives, anybody whom they don't like. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole there's a whole regime of that going on. the The best example of that that we've seen in the last few days um, is like uh, Jamie Fox made you know th- that cryptic tweet about oh these these people you think you can trust them and they do you wrong and he he made so th- these and he's like these are the people who killed Jesus or something like that uh-huh. and um, according to, to his apology he wasn't even talking about the jewish people right right but they all took offense to that and said, oh he's talking about he's talking about the killers of christ he must be talking about us and he was forced to make this obsequious on his knees begging <laughs> apology yeah and everybody goes to pointing out posting the video where he went on saturday night live when that horrible django movie came out and he's like I get to kill all the white people. That's the best thing ever. And yeah. No, nobody ever demanded an apology from him for that, right? right. He got, it's like, oh, <laughs> Jamie Lee Fox, yes, kill those white people. Yeah, that's so true. And it's, you see that type of double standard everywhere, and they clamp down hard on guys like you, and you're like so censored and under attack. What? causes you to continue doing your show, uh, putting out the stuff that you put out, um, trying to help out young white men and educating people? Well, a a couple of things, really. Um, One of which being, I just, I love doing it. Um, Ever since my voice changed, people told me I should do radio. Yeah, and I and I always loved radio. Um, and I, really, when I was um, 
when I was in my early 20s, I got a job as a security guard for about a year. And so I was in a security guard booth with an AM radio, right, that was provided by the company. And, of course, I, I didn't want to sit and listen to whatever music was on the AM radio. And in the area that I was in, there, there was no AM radio station that played any music I liked anyway. So I started spinning the dial around. And this was when uh, Rush, this was the early, probably 90 or 91, something like that. And Rush Limbaugh was just becoming a thing. And I ran across uh, Rush Limbaugh early on. And of course, you know, I disagreed with a lot of stuff that Limbaugh said and everything, but it was really, really revelatory to hear it because um, he was talking about things that you had never heard in mainstream media before because they'd always had, well, for one thing, the, the media had always been completely liberal, but they had always had that fairness doctrine and stuff. And so they would just avoid, you know, they'd have all liberal uh, uh slanted news and information shows and claim that they were uh, neutral. (laughs) But Limbaugh came on and he was really giving it to these people. He was lampooning them and he was funny and everything. And I thought, you know, if, if something like this is possible, I sure wish I could do a show where I got to do whatever I wanted. Of course, I mean, yeah, the internet existed, but this. Oh, you cut out there as This sometimes happens with the connection. Ezra, are you there? I will. I may have. It's later. Uh, Am I here? You're back. You cut out there for several seconds there. Okay. Well, anyway, I would say, you know, years later when the internet came along and uh, and I started off as a writer doing, uh, I got started off with local politics, uh, writing for a local government watchdog website. And, um, when I got done with that, the guy that, uh, that, uh, had built and run that website that I worked for, uh, had an idea. Hey, let's do a, let's do a show. And we started doing a show called hidden mysteries radio. And that's how I got into it. But then the other thing is I, I believe in it. Um, and you know, it's, uh, Especially in in the in the far right wing, it it's real hard to um, find people who really believe in things uh, or to try to convey, you know, true belief in various things anymore because people are so uh, discouraged now and everything that the whole thing has gotten very 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 nihilistic because people think there's no hope and so I guess you know that that plays into the thing that you brought up initially about people being in everybody's business. I think that's a large reason why that's going on. Yeah, true. People are just empty and immature nowadays. Grown men who are on our side, who are well-meaning, fighting each other. It's a shame. Yeah. Uh, do you want to touch on that a little bit without getting into the personal, too, too gossipy? There's yeah. some, some people are aware of, for example, the fight that's on my mind right now, and I don't know what's going on with it. I don't really even care much, but it seems like both sides are maybe doing a little bit of wrong, bashing each other. Yeah. Nick Fuentes and Ethan Ralph, and then all the followers. That's really what I'm, I'm kind of interested in, the phenomenon of the followers taking sides when it's a disagreement between two men. Yeah, I, I, was, uh, I was talking about this. Uh, 
early on in my show last night. And yeah, as far as the accusations and stuff, um, I'm, I don't see any point in repeating any of those, but, right. um, it's a, it, it, there's a strange dichotomy between the two because like with Ethan and, um, you know, for transparency's sake, I've had I've had him on my show a couple of times, and I've always had really good interactions with him. But person, I mean, I don't like. He's not somebody that I talk to uh, off the show or anything. But as far as the interactions I've had with him and everything, they've been positive, and I Same. I like him as a person. Right? Yeah. And, uh, I can I consider myself friendly towards him. I don't know Fuentes. I've never had a conversation with Fuentes, but there's a, there's a dichotomy there where what, what Ethan does, um, and he's upfront about it is that, you know, he's kind of a, uh, Howard Stern type of, um, uh, uh, you know, entertainment thing. You know, there's politics get involved in it and everything, but he personally doesn't take a lot of strong political stands. He's there, a large part of what he does is drama and feuds and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, now on the, on the other side, um, Fuentes is, uh, positions himself as a serious political actor. Right. Yeah. And, um, so it's this whole strange thing. And, and yeah, that was, that was part of what I was saying last night too, is that, I never get involved in these things. And when I say not involved in these things, I, I never even talk about them, but this one's gotten so big that I did. And, and and when I say that I did, I'm not saying that like I got into it and got into details and took sides, but it was such a big thing. And I knew people would be asking me about it and stuff. So, uh, I did a, I did a, a special show on a, on an off day, took calls and everything. And, I had on this guy, Big Tech, who's uh, one of the people on uh, Ethan's side of things, and Ethan ended up calling in, too, and I took callers, you know, to make it fair and everything. Yeah. And they're so crazy with it that before the show started, there were people uh, running to Big Tech shrieking, don't, no, no, Big Tech, don't go on there. He's totally in, in the bag for Fuentes. He's not going to be <laughs> fair to you. And, th- and there were people... Uh, like on Gab and other places who were shrieking at me saying, no, 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 this isn't going to be right. You're friendly with big tech. You're not going to be fair. And, you know, you're working for those non-Christians. Now I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but they're really, really going at each other. And my, my point with it was it, if you, if this is the kind of thing that you care about, and and look, I get it. If if somebody, if you are a follower or an adherent of someone who claims to be a political leader or whatever, and someone says something about them or levels accusations at them that you don't like or you don't agree with or whatever, your first instinct is to say, okay, that's not true. Uh, or you know, this person is of low character for having said this you know, or whatever. But um, I pointed out that like it, it, it's this crazy thing where they just go back and forth at each other endlessly, and it spirals out of control and into really weird places where you just have thousands of people who are spending all of their time watching dozens of streamers and different people who 
and I'm I'm not anybody that I just named. I'm not specifically accusing them, but there's this whole ecosystem around it where they take things uh, sometimes out of context, sometimes not, or whatever. But they make the hugest deal out of every single thing these people say and spin it and everything. It's very dishonest on both sides uh, yeah. when you look at the how the, the followers of the people doing it are. And and the other thing is, if you're on the side of it where um, you're like, okay, I'm doing this because I believe in this movement or whatever it is you claim that you're in, I believe in the politics, I believe in this person and all, uh, you know, my bottom line on that was, okay, so if you have to care about this stuff, and some of the accusations being leveled are about serious things, so you go look at what's being said, and you make a decision. And you, you know, you're a grown man. You got to make a decision. You decide. Okay, it looks like they're not telling the truth. So the heck with those people. I'm sticking with my guy over here. Or it looks like they are telling the truth. But whatever it is is something that I can deal with. That so I'm going to stick with my guy over here. Or it looks like they're telling the truth, and I'm not down with that. So I'm not with this guy anymore. But just the endless, endless, endless back and forth is is really petty and and silly that these people get caught up in this so much. And the reason that, and, and I've been saying this for years, the reason that the people who are offending them so badly stay uh, doing what they're doing day after day, week after week, month after month, is because the outrage that it generates brings them views and money. I, I have watched. Yeah. One, one of the funny things is there's been a couple of these people, and I'm not, like I said, not going to name them, but there's a couple of these people who they were complete nobodies a couple of years ago, and they they started completely dedicating their streams and their shows to being like three, four-hour, everyday um, <laughs> On a person. critique fit critique fests of, of these various people. And all of a sudden they start getting views. It's all these hate watchers. And the, when they won't, they figured out if they don't address what the hate watchers are saying in their chat, the hate watchers will give them money to make them address them. Yep. And a couple of them have decided, okay, this is wrong. Uh, or, you know, for whatever reason, they thought they saw advantage in changing sides. And now that they're not hating on those people, they're back to nobody watching them and nobody giving them any money. Wow. And so, you know, if you're doing that, if you're doing that, you're bringing these people attention, you're giving them every um, incentive to do this. And so the, the bottom line is, for, for many reasons, it's your fault. If, if, what, if you're really involved in something that – if the thing that you're involved in and the thing that you're supporting is positive and it's um, uh, got substance to it and all that, then, you know, say your piece, make your decision, and move on and support your thing. Because all, all this – fighting back and forth and in what really is a tiny little bubble. I mean, that, and that's I not know. to denigrate. They're in their own little <laughs> world. And, and yeah, our it, own little world seems so big and important to us, but it's really not. Well, yeah. It, it, you know, it's like, it, it's like when the tide rolls back and it leaves little tidal pools on the beach, you know, there's a whole little universe of, right. of <laughs> <laughs> tiny little creatures in it, right? And it, it thinks it's huge. 
and and that's not to denigrate the the viewership or anything these people have or right. say that they're not successful or whatever but to outsiders looking in it just looks crazy yeah uh, but and and if you're if you're a serious um revolutionary and I, I say that in a completely non-fed posty way mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> revolutionary or 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 whatever uh you know upstart political movement you want to be punching up all the time you want to be you yeah you want to be fighting but you want to be fighting these republicans and these democrats and yeah. these uh members of the permanent state and and um these people who are the real movers and shakers who are influencing culture to be so horrible and everything uh, always punch up at those people ignore ignore all this other stuff that's one thing that I really appreciate about JLP, um, for example, and you know even uh, even Six Hexenhammer six 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 commented on this several weeks ago, saying the what his, what his opinion of the real enemy was. They sh- rather than fighting each other, yeah, that helps get you views and notoriety, and that's fine, and it, it gets excitement, and it's kind of an immature thing, but you can still do it, and it's f- fine. I don't take it a, a, an opinion against it. But the real enemy are the people who are censoring everybody in his mind. And JLP yeah. has a, an e- even deeper point is it's really good versus evil. And the good versus evil battle is inside of you, the devil inside of you, and the devil outside of you inside others. And like you said, there's, we're, we're infighting just like what the Bible talked about. Just like the, the early Christians were infighting about different people they followed and gossiping and backbiting. And Paul's letters to the churches constantly talked about there should not be anger and bickering and petty arguments between you. There should be unity. But it's just human nature not to be united. And it just shows that uh, we're not the mature Christians and men that we want to be or pretend to be or are fighting to become in America. Yeah, and, you know, it's also, it's a, it's a hard balance for a, a lot of these people to, to strike, and, and nobody understands that better than me. When you're, when you're doing, um, you know, I'm not saying like being a politician, but when you're, when you're doing political, you know, I call, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I call uh, my content infotainment, right? Yeah. Um, because, um, you're trying to entertain people as well. You know, my, my, my show is just as much about humor, uh, and, and, and the humor is directed at these ridiculous people who have all this power over us. Right. Right. But, but, uh, it, it's just as much about humor as it is about, um, being informative and, and, uh, opinionated and all that, and it can get to be a really, really hard balance to strike when all of a sudden you see that oh, the people who are listening to you, you know, you got into a public spat with somebody, and oh, they love that better than anything. And the next thing yeah. you know, it you, you get carried along on this crest of this thing, and that's all you're doing. Yeah, that's kind of like what the news has sunken into. If the news media, if if there's even if there's the honest ones. Even like JLP's uh, most viral stuff is the 
clowning of these people. <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily yeah. deep stuff is the most viral stuff. And there's right. there's room for that. It's there's a place for it, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Well, that's that's how I that's how I really found him. You know, the the first. Uh, I mean, I had like without paying much attention, I had seen him like. I might be walking past the TV way back in the day and Hannity was on and, yeah. and he, you know, there's Jesse Lee Peterson on the TV or whatever. So I recognized the name, but, uh, there was this other show and one of their hosts was gone and, uh, Jesse was coming on their show and they had somebody message me say, Hey, could you come in and fill in? And I said, yeah, who is it that you're, cause we have an interview and, and we don't want to be short a host. Yeah. And I said, yeah, who is it you're interviewing? And they said, Jesse Lee Peterson, are you familiar with him? And I thought for a second, I said, he's like the black Republican guy or something. <laughs> and they said, yeah, 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 that's it. That's it. That's all you need to know. And um, not not that I was rude to him or anything, but I just, I didn't know anything about him. So I I felt like after it was over, I, I felt like that ah, wasn't a very good interview, right? Uh, on my part. Uh-huh. And so I went on YouTube and I put in Jesse Lee Peterson and the first thing that came up and I fell in love with him immediately was when he was going out and clowning on the feminists at the various oh, protests. Yeah. The slut walk uh, and all right. that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you a slut? Yeah. <laughs> right. And and uh uh that was a and so around the time I got on uh D Live, uh you and Jesse had both gotten on D Live yeah. too. And I started watching both you guys uh, every day, and um, and uh, to a large extent, our our uh, audiences became a big crossover. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's callers who call into my show who heard about me because of you. I think Daniel in Texas is one of them, and, and he happens to be a flat earther, and neither of us are. <laughs> but he doesn't harp on yeah. that, and people can believe what they want, I guess. But uh, oh, I guess <laughs> <laughs> I like to bash them and antagonize them. But uh, yeah. yeah, definitely, and it's it's been it's been cool for sure. I remember yeah. that I remember that interview somewhat. That was sort of my introduction to you. In addition to the the Charlottesville mess, where they yeah. just didn't allow the whites to have their their rally in peace. <laughs> but yeah. uh, the devils can't help it. Um, that is, that's pretty interesting. Um, guys, you can call in to uh, talk with Hake and Asmodor, 888-775-3773. Did you want to put out any other point before we um, get into this Kamala Harris and benefits of slavery story, Asmodor? Uh, no, I just, I haven't heard her particular comments on it, but I I have covered the the new uh, black history curriculum in Florida from a story about DeSantis defending it. So, no, yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> um, cool. Let's let's bring that in. I played this once before. Um, Hassan, I think there's cl- a clip 11 in the folder from a few, several days ago. Maybe a clip 11. I played this clip where she went black preacher maybe two, three weeks ago. Um, and, and she talks about how there were no, because the story broke out in Florida, the legislature and DeSantis signed it, stated that 
um, in these in the schools of Florida, you have to sh- instruct students on the fact that slaves did learn some skills during slavery that could benefit them for once they were free or if they bought their freedom or whatever. They just they learned skills. It's good to have skills in life. And yeah. also that they call them African-Americans. I said I call them black um, Americans. I guess they were at the time or just blacks um, did commit violence. In addition to being victims of violence, they were also committing violence, which is common sense. But Oh, the, yeah. New, you can't have nuance. <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, I was raised with there were good and bad slave owners, and it would follow that there would be good and bad slaves. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And uh, duh. But you're not allowed to... I mean, you are allowed to say it, but they act like you're downplaying slavery. So horrible. Well, here, listen to... You have it ready there? Here's uh, Kamala Harris going off. Adults know what slavery really involved. It involved rape. It involved torture. It involved taking a baby from their mother. So in the context of that, how is it that anyone could suggest that in the midst of these atrocities, that there was any benefit to being subjected to this level of dehumanization? The audience, come on. In the midst of these atrocities, that there was some benefit. And she's Jamaican and uh, and Amer- India Indian, not American right. Indian. <laughs> right. Well, Hillary makes a lot better black preacher woman than her. Yeah, I that's agree. not saying much. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you've got all the buzzwords in there, and that's. You know, Kamala Harris and and Joe Biden are like the ultimate examples of a thing that, other than Trump, that we have, anybody who watches politics knows they basically kind of all are, but these people, they really are Muppets. It's like somebody's got their their hand moving their mouth and and saying the words for them. You know, they they repeat these... um, these charged words, atrocities, and all this other stuff, and and of course, you know, any any um, atrocity that happened uh, many decades or or centuries or whatever back, you can always say anything that you want about it. You know, it's a whoever it's really? the winner's history thing. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the stuff she says doesn't make sense because the way that you the way that you fed babies back then. Uh, was 100% breastfeeding, right? So why would they be ripping infants from the arms of their mothers? I mean, <laughs> good point. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure that uh, obviously there would have been bad slave owners. I mean, uh you know, I've never been a literal slave, but I've I've worked for employ and I'm not comparing it and saying it's the <laughs> same thing, but I've worked for good employers and bad employers and all that. So you know, sure there there were good slave owners and bad slave owners and all that, but uh, to still be harping on this stuff, yeah. um, it, it's it's just it's ridiculous. But the the I have a, a different take on it though. Um, 
I was reading a lot of this stuff that it said, and yeah, they're mad. They're saying, oh, how could you possibly say that they learned anything useful to help them once they weren't slaves? Well, I mean, speak in English to start with if they're going to be here. Right. Good point. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, they, they were being, they were being, you know, the ones who were literally brought here from Africa, which, you know, by the time they freed the slaves, most of the ones who were freed had not been brought from Africa because the British had outlawed uh, the international slave trade uh, okay. many decades before that. And so, you know, to bring slaves from Africa to the United States, even though it was legal here, it was like trying to, or worse, harder than trying to smuggle in cocaine in the 80s or something, right? And uh <sighs> So most of them had been more multi generational already here, and yeah. yeah, if they if they learned animal husbandry, or if you know the ones who were domestic servants, if they they learned uh, the various things about running a house, um, you know, and, and you know they had slaves being carpenters, and it, you know every kind of job on the plantation. It was it was such a rough thing that. Um, in the old history books, I, you know, I've read uh, old college history books from the 40s and 50s before the Cultural Revolution and everything, and they would actually point out uh, what a what a uh, devastating thing that um, the institution of chattel slavery was on the uh, poor whites at the time. The one, you know, the vast majority of, in the South, the yeah. vast majority of them who didn't own slaves because, you know, basically all they could do if, if they weren't part of the merchant class or whatever, which was a very small thing then compared to what it is now, um, the only thing they could do was, uh, you know, they could build a homestead and do subsistence farming to have something to eat and, uh you know, the really industrious ones would do things like, well, you know, I'll get me a team of horses and do some logging and see if I can make some money that way or whatever. But there were, there was really no economic opportunity for them. Uh, they were living lives of, okay, everything that I do yeah. is going to be so that my family can survive, so that they won't starve and freeze to death and all like that. There, there wasn't any upward mo- mobility because the... Um, uh, the industry of slavery and the the fact that agriculture was everything in the South at the time uh, put them out of the uh, possibility of getting gainful employment. Wow! So you know that that <laughs> and an interesting aside. Um, the the first big harvest of cotton that they had after the slaves were freed, the blacks didn't want to come back and pick the cotton once they were freed. They hired whites, and they they had a bigger cotton harvest uh, wow. <laughs> than they ever had with the slaves by paying the whites. Interesting, man. Yeah, I remember seeing that Dinesh. There was a Dinesh D'Souza movie about. I think it was around Hillary's time when he went after Hillary, and he. I think it was the one that had Richard Spencer in it talking about. Oh, Richard Spencer is basically a Democrat. I'm like, I wish the Democrats were like Richard Spencer. <laughs> Not that yeah, well, he kind of has become one now. True, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, I and remember in, him... In, some, in that... some ways, he always was, because he was he was like this white internationalist. He, he yeah. wanted like this global EU for white people and stuff, which I was never for. Right. But uh, 
I remember Dinesh saying that slavery was basically kind of socialistic because they weren't paid for what they did, and so they weren't maybe as, uh, or I guess sometimes they were. They were able to buy their freedom, some of them, but they weren't as industrious because it wasn't, oh, you're more productive, you get better rewarded necessarily, I guess. Yeah. That was a point that he yeah. made. Well, that would, that would that's another one of those blanket statements, though, because yeah. you've got you've got to think that you're going to um, reward a good slave. I think. <laughs> on right, well, I mean, if you know whether whether you're saying that the not even the question of good or bad, but you know, if if you were one of these planters who uh, owned all these slaves and had various employees overseeing the slaves and so forth, if you were efficient, you would you would institute rewards that the slaves would want to um, encourage them to do a better job. And now, of course, you know, yeah, I'm sure that there were, I'm sure that there was just as much, if not way more stick than carrot (laughs) involved with it. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, the the carrot would have been important too. And I, I, and like I said, I suppose it would have depended on, uh, on, uh, who the slave owner was. And it was a big phenomenon at the time um, that even slaves who found out that they had been freed and could just walk away did not want to. Right. A lot of them, you know. Yeah. It was their life. Some of them loved their masters. Some of them fought in the Civil War, I think, alongside their masters. And it wasn't just because they were forced to or or something like that. Yeah. It's from what I heard. Yeah. Um, well, go ahead. Well, I mean, it's just the whole thing, just taking it back to Kamala Harris. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is all uh, one of the biggest things that you can bring this back to. It, it's it's very feminine in the most literal sense. You know, having all these women in politics and women yeah. voting and everything. This is why this kind of thing. This is why something that ended in 1865 is an issue now because oh my it's so emotional and we have to we we have to feel bad for these people who have never have no idea what slavery is or what it's like because there's not a single person living who even knew someone who yeah. was a slave it's been that long now That's there's so no true. one alive today who ever knew anyone who had been a slave Let's hear that other part. There's a clip 43 that I've had since last week. Uh, Kamala went off again because DeSantis wrote this open letter citing one of his historians who's worked on the curriculum, too. And he challenged her to a debate, and she went off. Let's see if I can find this. Kamala Harris. Uh, AP tweeted this video out. Vice President Kamala Harris rejected... You have it there, uh, Hassan? She rejected Governor Ron DeSantis' suggestion to debate Florida's new black history curriculum, which might have been kind of cringy. Video title, Harris rejects DeSantis' suggestion to debate black history curriculum. About 44 seconds. Let's hear it. Right here in Florida, they plan to teach students that enslaved people benefited from slavery. They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, in an attempt to divide and distract our nation with unnecessary debates. 
And I will tell you, there is no round table, no lecture, no invitation we will accept to debate an undeniable fact. There were no redeeming qualities of slavery. No redeeming qualities of slavery. <laughs> Thanks well, I mean, what about, what about the quality that their descendants live here? I know. And, you know, <laughs> they're, not, they're not over in, uh, you know, w- no matter when you're talking about it, whatever part of sub-Saharan Africa is currently embroiled in ungodly bloodshed right? yeah. <laughs> and, and disease and famine and all that, I mean... <clears throat> You know, it, it used to be, they used to say, well, would you, would you rather we left you in Rwanda, you know, back when all that was going on? Or would you rather, would you b- rather be on the wrong side of things in Niger right now? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so That's one of the things I mean, JLP talks about. Thank God for slavery that I could, what, my, you know, the, the, my ancestors, I don't think he uses that language, but went through whatever they went through that I could be in the greatest nation on earth, a Christian Thank God and the white man for slavery, he says. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that, and he's a, maybe the only uh, he's maybe the only black person out there saying that, and yeah. it, it's uh, it's a very it's a very honest and and based way of putting it because I mean the the blacks claim to hate America, but if somebody came along and said, okay. we're, we're sorry. You know, we've tried for 160 or however many years it is now we have tried and tried and tried, but it turns out we're just evil racist, like you say, and we're never going to stop oppressing you. So we can be good for just long enough to resettle you back over in Africa and you can take everything you own and we'll help you and everything. They're not going to go. And I don't blame them. I wouldn't go either. Right. but uh, uh, you know, don't don't sit around claiming that you that you hate them. And, and you know, they always have these these copes. Uh, no, no, no! You brung us here. Now you go. Now you're stuck with us. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, 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 you know, like yeah, your your vengeance for bringing us, or your punishment for bringing us here is that you're stuck with us. <laughs> yeah, you have to deal with us. It's it's such a shame. They've never had it so good. Um, Right. I appreciate that uh, coverage, Asador. Do you want to take a call here before before the break? Sure. Daniel is in Texas, a mutual listener, I believe. Daniel, thanks for calling and holding. You're live with Hake and Asmador. Hi, James. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, I have a question for Asmador. Okay. Asmodor, it's a pleasure to talk to you. I uh, I, I loved your show. Your show introduced me to, to JLP. Um, my question was about your activism with the Sam Houston statue. Was that the the uh, Memorial Park statue, or was that the the Huntsville statue? No, it's the Memorial Park statue. That's what I Houston. thought. That's what I thought. Okay, that, that makes sense because it's a smaller statue. Um, yeah, but it's but it's basically the Sam Houston statue that um, I got the center of Houston. That's a, that's his statue. right, right. Well, the, the what that thing was, and uh, it, this is back in 2017, and that was uh, one of my first big viral moments. Um, uh, 
of doing stuff out in public. Um, to this day, no one knows because you know a lot. There was so much misinformation going on afterwards. But there were these posts on uh, Antifa and BLM forums that they were going to organize, and they were going to go to that park that day and pull that statue down. It was right after the all the big mess over the uh, Andrew Jackson statue in uh, New Orleans. Uh-huh. And uh, uh-huh. so I announced on uh, on Daily Stormer that. I would be going down there and for people who uh, read the website and all to meet me there. And I, I, I gotta tell you, I, I didn't know if anybody was gonna. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, um, uh, and I went down there and uh, there were a couple of other, there were, there were these oath keeper types and uh, uh, a little bit of that, but a whole bunch of guys came and, um, the oath keeper types came around and this was when I was walking up. This was the really the most, there were two viral videos that came out of it. And the first one was when I, when myself and the two guys that I rode down to Houston with, uh, when we find it, we didn't realize how huge that park was and we weren't from there. So, you know, we were uh-huh. kind of lost for a little while. And when we came walking up to finally found the place where all these other guys that we were supposed to meet up with was, and these were a bunch of young guys, right? This um, larger group of these oath keeper three percenter types uh, who were all armed with their AR 15s and everything were down there trying to tell them what to do. Some of them had Confederate flags and stuff. They're like, no, you're not allowed. You can't fly that. You can't do this and you can't do that. And, and I walked up and I just, and I wasn't armed or anything, but I just started, I, I raised my voice and started, uh, explaining to them, um, in, in a, in, in a very colorful manner, how wrong they were and how they weren't going to be telling people what to do. And it embarrassed them real bad. And they had to walk away with their tail tucked between their legs. So what they did was they went and called the Houston police on us thinking, Oh, that'll show them. And so uh-huh. the Houston police, the Houston police came along, even though we had no desire to go over to where those people were, we didn't want to be associated with them, but, uh, the Houston police came and, and the one thing they had said was that nobody's going to be able to stand on that green where the statue is. And yeah, it's yeah. not as big as that. It's not as big as that humongous fiberglass one by Houston, but it's a great big statue. It's a beautiful statue yeah. of, uh, Sam Houston on a, on a, on his charger, you know? Yeah. And so they came and they were like, okay, you guys come with us. And they walked us over to the uh, statue and we got to stand right under the statue. And of course, I mean, it probably would have been that way anyway. We were the only ones that the news was interested in. But because we were right under that statue, uh, I was able to give the second uh, viral video that came out that day, which was uh, somehow... It just suddenly and organically, I was giving an international press conference in the video. You can see all these microphones with the shoved in my face and everything. And um, uh, and Sarah Seidner from CNN was chasing me all over the park. <laughs> it was wanting interviews about various things. But yeah, it was a it was a real fun experience. But uh, yeah, that was down in Houston at Memorial Park, which is a very beautiful park. It's. Uh, Sad that it has to be in Houston. You guys were you guys yeah. were protesting the tearing down of that monument. The, uh, the we Sam were Houston. stopping it. We were stopping Literally it. No, it, stopping it wasn't it. Wow. like 
Yeah, it wasn't like the government was coming to do it. Antifa and BLM were planning to come oh. throw a rope around it, or a chain around it and pull it down or whatever. That thing. And yeah, yeah. And um you know, afterwards uh there were claims made that oh no, we weren't really going to do that. We were just trolling. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, a whole bunch of guys with firearms and stuff went and stood between you and that statue and you didn't show up. So, you know, you can try to clean it up afterwards however you want to. Good point. But the statue, the statue's still there. Nice. Wow. So you guys literally saved the Sam Houston statue, unlike so many others that were torn down by BLM, Antifa, college people, scumbags, yeah. dirtbags. Well, it may, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think most likely, but like I said, you know, when... Uh, when it comes from online stuff, but it, it went viral. The, the you know I didn't find out about it because I was lurking in Antifa forums. I found out about it because it became a national story in the news that they were going to go do it right. Yeah. And and I was believe me when I got down there and I said in 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 uh, I wrote two articles about it that week. It was on a Saturday, and I wrote two articles about it that week. And the second one that I wrote, I was like, okay, now you make sure and get down there because if I, if I have to, I'm going to go down there by myself and they're going to have to go through me, but come on, please, somebody come. Nice. <laughs> and, they, and they did, <laughs> which was good. Right on. Da- uh, Daniel, thanks for the call. Anything else before we, uh, before we go to break? Uh, I, I can't get anything else before a break. I have so much to say, but I'll let y'all go. I appreciate you, Daniel. Call again sometime. Yeah, thanks for calling in, man. Thank you, thank you. Bye. All right, bye. Uh, Azra, are you able to hold over? There's another, um, there's another caller who wants to talk to you. I'd like to touch on the DOJ history, if possible, and maybe even Sam Houston, because I know that he's an interesting guy to you, and yeah. you could tell us about that. So if you can hold over, um, then uh, we'll go to break here and get back to you. Sure, I'm here as long as you want me today, James. Okay, cool. Hang on. Uh, guys, it's Men's History Month. We're talking to Asmodor, TKR official on Telegram. Um, William in California, I'm going to get to you next. Callers, you can call in. one 888 But let's listen to some um, debatably manly music. Stavesacre is... Uh, the name of the band from the, uh, um, what would it be? The 1999 album Speakeasy. I hope you enjoy it. It's track one, Minuteman. Minuteman. Nice uh, reference to the American revolutionaries who had to be ready on a minute's notice, maybe, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Here it is, uh, Minuteman by... Stavesacre, be right back for hour two. Hang tight, you musical Philistines. You can cover your ears, sing la la la, you can press mute, or you can grin and bear it, or you can go outside, shovel snow, rake your leaves, plant your garden, harvest your crops. I'll be right back. Hang tight.
it makes me miss fake Ramones. <laughs> so pretty well thank you guys for bearing with me through that beautiful music i got some uh, super chats and live chats to read i'm live with asmador asmador you play real music on your shows and uh i think you sometimes used to do a sunday stream with a man a mutual listener named nordic frost i think I, I still do. Um, we just, uh, due to uh, so, uh, some unfortunate scheduling circumstances, we haven't done them the last couple of months, but they're really great if you're, if you're into rock and roll and, and heavy metal and that kind of thing. Um, Nordic Frost does a stream every Saturday at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, uh, 6 Pacific, and uh, he's he's like the greatest DJ. If you're into that kind of music, he's got awesome taste. He's always been involved in the music industry in various uh, uh, aspects. And um, his show, when I first started listening to it, was very revelatory to me because you know I'm I'm not a boomer, but I'm old. Right, <laughs> I'm Gen X. Yeah, and um, that's the kind of music that I was always into. But I thought that it had been dead you know, since the nineties pretty much. And, uh, there's all this new music out there, but I, I guess because of the digital revolution and all that, you just don't hear about it. You have to be somebody plugged in and I go listen to his streams and there's all this great new stuff. But the thing that he and I do, we do these shows, uh, the last Sunday of every month called the deep dive where we will pick a band or an artist or a genre of music. And, we'll just we'll just go in real deep on it and um you know we've done we've done se- uh, a bunch of them and some of them the ones with the bigger bands like the ones with uh Dio and Iron Maiden and Pink Floyd and so I think the Pink Floyd one was the longest one so far it was 9 hours wow. plus of uh Pink Floyd music and his channel is here on Odyssey it's Nordic Frost go all, check him out all one word no underscores in that name no it's it, there's no um uh, I'm sure one of my listeners will post his ad in the chat, but if you if you just go in and do a search for Nordic Frost, two okay. words, it'll come up for you. Cool. Um, tell yeah, the people. And he, go ahead. He also has he also has a Telegram. I believe it's t.me forward slash the Green Room. Okay. So. Uh, tell the people how to find your stuff and a little bit about what you talk about on your shows while yeah. you're here. Well. Unfortunately, searching for somebody is pretty much the only way you find them on Odyssey because the the uh, <laughs> the addresses are so weird. But <clears throat> if you if you go on Odyssey and search for Asmador A Z Z M A D O R, that'll bring up my channel. Uh, our schedule generally is um, on Wednesday. I do White Wednesday um, generally at eight Eastern, seven Central, six Pacific. 
Um, Friday and Saturday, I do the Friday and Saturday night specials consecutively at 10 Eastern, 9 Central, 7 Pacific. On Sunday, I uh, have recently started doing the Sunday afternoon call-in special that starts at uh, 6 Eastern, 5 Central, and 3 Pacific, where you call in. uh, And, you know, I throw in... uh, I throw in some extra shows here and there. Uh, just uh, from being on here today, I'll probably, um, if anybody's interested, I'll probably crank up a stream tonight and just take, just do a casual one and take calls, whatever people want to call in about. Nice. So, yeah, give me a follow over there. And my Telegram, the official Crypto Report channel on Telegram is t.me forward slash TKR official. And on Gab, I'm at Asmodor or Gab.com forward slash Asmodor. And can I chill for you for a second? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. People listening, you know, loosen up your wallets and, and super chat James. You, you know, you get whatever uh, news, information, entertainment, and content, whatever, whatever of that that you enjoy on the internet, you get it to the extent that it gets funded. Indeed. Are you still there, Azador? I think he might have come. I am still here. Okay, I'm still here. Nice. Appreciate it, man. Um, Yeah. Speaking of Super Chats, I have some live chat questions and uh, comments. Spoiler alert shares uh, from Potleaf, Potleaf355 on DLive, I I guess. Uh, asking because we I'm putting up we're putting up pictures of of you purportedly uh, your graphics anyway and so Potleaf three five five asks he's a Sasquatch question mark <laughs> yes indeed uh, <laughs> when when I when I first started um, when I first started doing the uh, local government watchdog thing um, I knew you know before that. All I had ever really done uh, on the internet was, you know, the most complex thing I would do would be, you know, leave a nasty remark on a YouTube video I disagreed with or something like that, right? And so when I started writing for this website, I knew, okay, well, you know, I I need a, a, a persona, you know, an avatar and a username and everything that I'm going to keep. And I thought about it for a minute. And the Sasquatch thing, um, it was kind of natural because I've always been, a, even as a kid, I've always been really big. You know, I'm six four, and um, and I'm also a hairy guy, right? Uh-huh. You know, I've got the I've got the the Sean Connery body hair and all that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> in in, uh, in anywhere I've ever been, whether you know whether it was in school or on a sports team or a, a job site or whatever, not that. I'm not one of these people who always had a nickname, but whenever I did get one, it seemed they always called me Sasquatch. So I thought, yeah, okay, you know, I'll I'll find me a cool-looking Sasquatch, and that'll be my avatar. And, you know, at first I I just would pick out cool-looking ones from image searches. But as the show started to take off, um, I'm very fortunate that uh, I have a very, very talented uh, listener base. you know, both with art. I mean, you know, that, that's, uh, I mean, it's done on a computer, but that's hand-drawn art that you're looking at right there. And I've, I've cool. got a lot of it. And that's the, we, the guy who drew that, we call him the Enigma artist. Um, nice. because he doesn't, he doesn't want his name out there to take credit for what he does. But, um, 
and and not only not only with art, but you know, there's been so much really good um, uh, parody music and stuff like that that really talented people have have done and sent in for the show and all. I'm, uh, the I, I always say the the best part about uh, the crypto report is our listener base that I call TKR fam. They, they are really, really great. It's a fun chat to be in. And, um, it's a whole lot of, it's a whole lot of smart people, um, who are basically on the same page about stuff and who enjoy getting together and chatting and fellowshipping and everything. And it, it's not, it's not the giant slug fest that so many chats are. Yeah. I've always been proud of that. That's cool. I appreciate that um, well-moderated uh, situation that you guys have going on. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, people need people need somewhere they can go where it's not just uh, uh, blood sports in the chat all the time. That that was a thing that I decided back when we started getting so big on D Live. Right? Is that you know. It, it, God bless them, but a lot of the, a lot of the people who just populate all these chats are the, are complete antisocial types who are going around wanting to fight. And, and like yeah. I say, God bless them if that's what they want to do. But there's plenty <laughs> of places to do that. But my chat's not going to be it. My chat's going to be a place where the people who are coming specifically to listen to myself and my crew and everything that they can come and have a good time. That that the show's not the only thing they're looking forward to. They're looking forward to seeing their friends in the chat and having a good time. Yeah. Uh, Cradle to Grave No Fear asks in the D-Live chat, question, why would you think metal music was banned in the 90s? Is that true? I didn't think it was... I didn't think it was banned. I said I, I, I thought it was over, at least the kinds of it that I liked. It, yeah. it was over as far as... I mean, it, it really was... Um, Metal music, um, you know, it had its genesis in the 70s, and it came to a real mainstream prominence in the 80s. And the music industry steered it in the direction of what now on classic rock stations, they call it hair metal, right? Uh And uh, back then, the the real metal guys like me, we called it, hair metal wasn't a term, we called it glam, you Uh know? And yeah. And 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 the people who played glam, we called them posers, right? Because they were they were fake, right? Right. And and um, uh, that genre of music really really killed it for um, for the other um, more serious, more artistic, um, and more heavy hard rock and heavy metal that had been out. And yeah, a lot of the old bands they kept making music and stuff, but it never was. Um, it never was a popular form of new music anymore. There, there were a few resurgences here and there, but they were generally something different. I mean, you know, rap and the boy bands and the various kinds of sugary pop and all that, all that kind of thing took over. And um, the big rebellion to all that stuff was in was the the rise of grunge and then what they called alternative yeah. and all that, you know, it, metal never, yeah, there's still, there's still great metal out there and everything. And no, I never said that it was banned. I, I, I basically, meant, you know, it was over as a, right. as a modern form, as the main form of music. And if you're younger, you probably don't even understand, have a real understanding of it, but it's a, it, it was a real shocking thing after it had been going on long enough to realize that as far as, 
um, the dominant form of American music that rock and roll was dead, and it is. I mean, if you look at the if you look at the charts and stuff, there's never a rock and roll song on it, and hasn't been or a rock and roll album, and hasn't been in the longest. But the the form isn't dead. There's still there are new and young bands who are making great music. You know, you you don't have to have a, a studio contract or anything uh, to make a really well produced. Uh, album anymore you know with uh computers and software and all that you can do it and you can post your stuff on youtube and everything but it's just a different thing you know you go you go look at the pop charts and you know it's uh it's always uh you know some uh some black female singing uh in extremely explicit terms about technical aspects of various sex acts or (laughs) you know or (laughs) whatever like that Degeneracy. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, let's get to at least one more call here. William is in California. He's on the line. Wants to comment on the cool. Alabama brawl, boat dock brawl. I'm sure you're familiar. Uh, yes, very. Okay. William in California, thanks for calling and holding. Hey, hey, you're live. Let me with. get you. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Hey, how you doing, James? Doing fine. Good. Good. And good morning, Asmador. Good morning, William. It's great to talk to you. I always enjoy you your too. calls. You too. You too. Um, um, happy Men's Month to both of you. Happy Men's History Month. Thank you. And, uh, oh, can I do a tribute? May I, James? Go for it. Uh, I always liked, um, as a man, I always liked, uh, I know he's a liberal, but um, <laughs> Lee Marvin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, great actor. You know, my favorite yes, I, role of his is Liberty Valance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a great body of work. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Lee Marvin. Okay, thank man, you. Man of the day. I'm looking at a a screenshot of him. I'll I will share that with the uh, with Hassan to show as you, oh, thank as, you, you James. as you continue. Oh, if, if, yeah. if I if, if I could interrupt William just for a second, another sure, really sure. another really really great role of Lee Marvin's an early role of his was um, he played kind of the heel in the wild one and in in my uh-huh. opinion he his little his his little bit of a role it really stole the show from uh, stole the show Marlon in that Brando. movie yeah. yeah yeah great actor though yes he great was actor. very great actor um, um I, I don't know what you get I, I hate that you got shut down James kind of lost track of you a little bit and everything but we're gonna be all right yeah um. Uh, I, I, I was the one that sent you that story from Alabama. I didn't, I didn't want to call in on it. I just wanted to see that you thought about it. Cool. And uh, my opinion, I don't think it was more racist than it was more just acting acting a fool. That's just a bunch of grown ups acting a fool. That's what I. I don't. I don't think there was anything racist thrown out there more than I could kind of read the black guy's body language. It was like, if you hit me, I'm going to do this, and then that, and then you have the people on the boat. That's unacceptable behavior. Grown people cheering it on. Right. Yeah. Well, there's a part of that story that is finally starting to come out that, you know, it's as is always the case with these things where there's, you know, out of context video where somebody pulled out their phone and started filming, especially when it becomes a a racial thing. Yeah. But right before they started filming, they, they claim that the context was that this black guy who, um, 
was working on a, a river boat or, a, or whatever kind of boat, some kind of commercial boat with passengers. Yeah. But they claim the claim was that he came up and asked mm-hmm. these white people to hey, move hey, the hey. boat. Yeah. Oh, God, what's going on? Out, okay, go ahead. It turns Can out that that's not the case. Yeah, there's a lot of noise in the background, William. Yeah, that's gardeners. Oh, let me get well, away. Okay, go I, ahead, Jim. Go ahead. I, I can work through it. Uh, but at any rate, it turns out that according to many witnesses who were watching and um, interviews that the police been doing and everything, the black guy didn't walk up and ask them to move the boat. He walked he up the and grabbed the mooring ropes and started undoing the boat and just going to move everything himself. Wow. And so it's That's understandable. What... Yeah that something would start. But yeah, the the whole thing was crazy and it, it became racial immediately because immediately. Um, you know, with the, then Aquaman jumps out of the boat and swims over and <laughs> yeah. it's it, I mean, it was just a, a big show that yeah. I knew it was gonna go in that direction because every time somebody doesn't get their way, um they want to pull out the race card out of their tail. Right. Well, it appears to be one of these situations um, that are more common than most people probably think where well, yeah. almost everybody, if not everybody involved, was completely in the wrong. Right. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. That's funny. Don't pull the race card because everybody was wrong. First of all, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm from San Francisco. I don't live there anymore, but I can imagine you go down to the dock and unrope somebody's boat and push it into the bay. Yeah, well, I mean, that's uh, reality. Yeah, well, you know, I'm 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 not from any kind of a, a, a seafront thing like that, but uh, I've grown up on lakes my whole life, and you don't even walk up to somebody if if you walk up to somebody's bass you know, boat yeah. and and start yeah, unhooking yeah. it, you're going to get beat up, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, um, absolutely, and because I live, in, I'm from the Bay, I'm from San Francisco. I've seen dock boats all my life. If you look at a boat too long. They're looking at you like, okay, what you want? Yeah, yeah. And you, yeah, you're yeah. able, you're able to hang out at the docks. I like to bring my spot and scope and look at different sites and stuff. But I'm telling you, you don't, you don't want to get around people's stuff too close. I think it's more on the thing about pushing the man's boat, and it, they felt offended. I doubt if there was anything racial said during the whole confrontation. Well, allegedly, until. Yeah, it was reported somebody said N-word, which when you're in a fight like that, you're going to go for the thing that you see and call them something negative about what you see. Fat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the thing about a lot of this, uh, you know, he said the N-word thing is <laughs> yeah. um, we live, yeah. we live in this, we live in this thing where. When when people start going at each other and and accusing each other and calling each other names in some kind of a public spat or whatever they don't know each other. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you know, even if he doesn't say something racial, you know, say the black guy says something extremely insulting, and he's saying yeah. that he's saying whatever he thinks of that he can say that's going to be the most insulting to you. Yeah. Well, the natural he's going to pull that out of his hat. The natural impulse is to say the N word because you know, okay, this is the thing that's going to upset him the worst. Yep. But you, but you have to be careful and not do that because no matter what the black guy, 
guy said, the way things are now, you pull out that N-word, and when the cops get there, and they're like, okay, everybody says you said the N-word, so you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That's just how it goes now. So yeah. true. You know, and I, I gathered, looking at it over and over and over, I'm like, I could read his body language. And he was like, you put your hands on me. I know that part probably came up, but I doubt if there was anything racial. Yeah. If it, I mean, until yeah. it's start, just human nature. Still, people start t- just people start taking sides. That, uh, let's say it that way. Onlookers, yeah, pe- us onlookers, yeah, it's, it's not even our business. Black we guys are fighting about jumping it. out of the boat and swimming across. The white guys trying to help him, and they knocked him out of the way. Did you know that? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There was yeah. a white guy that tried to help him that yeah. was with him, and they knocked him out of the way. So the women on the boat doing all of the, the you know, the peanut gallery. Yeah. That was just the worst. That was the worst to me. I, I didn't like that part. I just thought, I said, this is not going to turn out good, you know. They were kind of egging and, it on, huh? Yes, they were. Yes, they were. Yeah. And um, that's not the thing to do. Um, I... um heard your show the other day you had somebody that's in ukraine and everything i wanted to call in so bad i just don't agree with that ukraine thing i think we need to leave that alone same because i think ukraine in my opinion i wanted to throw this out there to you james ukraine is just as wait a minute wasn't south vietnam very corrupt i think yeah. so yeah as probably knows better than i but yeah yeah the resident historian wasn't yeah. Vietnam very corrupt in your work in, in your I mean just in your thinking or your oh, extremely I, I mean a, a, a big part of uh, a, a big part of uh, getting southern Vietnam to do what we wanted was bribery right and mm-hmm. same thing going on in Ukraine but the, the thing about Ukraine is um, we should definitely get out of it because this this whole mess, I'm not going to say it's 100% our fault, but it's close to it because um, the whole thing has its genesis in a color revolution that our CIA pulled off back in 2014 because we didn't like Poroshenko. He didn't didn't, uh, kowtow to us quite enough. So we engaged in this color revolution and overthrew overthrew that government and installed Zelensky. And the reason that we're so, um, that, that our government is so dead set on doing everything in the world to keep that war going up to and including sending troops and risking nuclear war and, and all that yeah. is yeah. because all their money is laundered through there. And they're, they're, that for you. How are you doing? Yeah. Oh, William, I'm going to put you on hold there. Go there's ahead. Tons of ev- there's tons of evidence that there's also a lot of sex trafficking that our politicians and their family members and so forth have taken part in, and they have bribery material on that. And then on top of that, you know, every time the Russians advance a little further west, they find more of these labs where they're doing all kinds of stuff that's illegal for them to be doing, and their U.S. labs and everything. But the the worst part of it is the the very people who have orchestrated these color revolutions. A color revolution is when you turn part of the culture and all of the media and everything in a country against its government and its culture and everything, and through protests 
and societal disruptions and everything, you overthrow it and uh, with the appearance of, oh, you know, it's people overthrew it, and you have a new <laughs> regime ready to go. Well, all these color revolutions that we've done, the very people who have been the architects of them have been doing a color revolution on the United States in the very same way. Our own, our own intelligence companies, they, they corporate, not companies, our own intelligence apparatus uh, have been since the end of World War II in South America and Eastern Europe and Asia and all over the place been pulling these color revolutions and they've got it perfected to the point that they're pulling it here. Every time uh, when you see things like, okay, um, well, you know, the perfect example was the, uh, uh, the, the thing, thing that ended up with uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, that the black guy who, um, was threatening his ex-wife or his baby mama or whatever with a knife and the police showed up and they tried so hard not to shoot him (laughs) and they ended up having to shoot him. And before the sun went down, the government and the media had colluded to create this great big, uh, controversy and to stir up the blacks and to stir up the communist left Antifa types and everything. And all of these NGOs and foundations, Soros-funded and otherwise, already had it planned. The first night, they were flying people in there like crazy, and they had people on the streets protesting the first night. And by the second night, they had the town taken over and half of it on fire. That's insane. This is color revolution. Yeah. And, and And in 2020, we saw it happen in almost, if not every, major metropolitan area in the United States. Yeah, uh, an insurrection, as JLP calls it, around the country. William, yeah. William, I, I had put you on hold there. Go ahead. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do you think it's happening again, Asmodor? I mean, like they're like reaching for another riot, race riot, something racial, just before an, another major election. Because, like you, you were saying about it's corrupt. We were talking about Vietnam and Ukraine compared. I think Biden wants everything in Ukraine destroyed anyway because they're not going to beat Russia. And and you're a historian. Isn't Ukraine? The area the Germans tried to invade. What's that? That big battle in the snow. World War. II. Oh, I, yeah. I, it's not at the tip of my tongue, but Ukraine. Most of uh, the area of Ukraine what's, what's, now. What's the name of that? Stalingrad. You said something. That, no, Stal- Stalingrad is. It's in, okay. Wait a minute. That area, I think, is where the Germans got froze out. Well, I'm 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 sure they did. they got froze they got froze out a lot of places, but uh, yeah. <laughs> in in uh, in in Russia, you know, Ukraine was part of Russia back then, That's but right. uh, or That's part right. of the Soviet Union. But uh, Ukraine has always has always historically been a part of Russia, and um, exactly. Uh, but but the you know as as far as the ongoing color revolution thing are are they doing color revolution again mm-hmm. i don't think they're doing color revolution again i think what we're seeing now and this is a reason i point out from time to time that we're we're in i guess the only word you could use to describe it is a quickening in every way there's this quickening going on with both the uh you know with uh geopolitical stuff with you know yeah. that kind of war and right you know we're at the brink of nuclear war and with the <laughs> cultural stuff going on everywhere in the west with the gay agenda the trans agenda the yeah. anti-christian yeah. agenda the anti-white yeah. agenda the anti-american oh my history God, agenda. the anti-white one is the biggest 
That's the biggest yeah. thing, man. I'm, I'm, I, there's more. There's one thing. I know. There's one thing that black people do not like right now is white people. And guess what? They don't like even more. A that? black person that doesn't agree with them. Oh yeah, yeah, right. absolutely. You're, you're absolutely um, like correct. you know. I get it all the time. Oh, you know, like you said, somebody died uh, from the band. Uh, oh yeah, Robbie, Robbie popular group. Robbie Robertson. What is that folk? Folk rock, is that folk rock or uh, uh, what you want to call that? Kind of like gospel in a way. I remember them. Yeah, yeah. I got some yeah. blacks that look at me and say, "What do you look like remembering them?" Well, I don't know. Maybe it's the setting that I grew up in, yeah. and maybe those people did listen to that music when I was growing up. I remember them. They don't think that's black. Yeah, I mean, anybody that's black that doesn't agree with them, that has independent thinking, they hate them with a passion. Well, it's, we, it's a weird thing with the, with the music, because when it comes to things like music and actors and all, yeah. you know, being on, be, being on the political end of things that I'm on, if I, if I mention a movie I, that I like, somebody will scream at me, oh, the director was a Jew, or if right. I talk about some yeah. music, if I talk yeah. about music that I like, they'll scream at me, oh, that, you know, I can't believe you like Sam Cooke, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like come that. on, man. <laughs> yeah, they had a lot of stuff. You know, I mean, I mean, I, I know they had a lot of stuff that, I mean, I'm not going to sit up here and say that the only thing I listened to was the Jackson 5. I might be 62, but that is not the case. Right. Sure, sure. You know, well, but the, it was a little bit more is, rounded. If, you, if, you're worried about, if you're worried about the race or politics or, or yeah. whatever of musicians and actors and directors, you have to just throw your TV and your stereo and your radio and everything away. Throw it away because, because like I just said about Lee Marvin, more than likely he was probably a liberal, more than likely I liked his work. Yeah. Yeah. I liked his work. And I like your work too, James, and I like your work too, Asmodore. And I'm going to let some other calls get on and everything. And uh, it's it's really been a pleasure. Really been a pleasure. Thank you, man. All right. Thanks for the call. Have a good day. All right. All right. Bye. Uh, Asmodore, that was interesting. You were, you yeah. were I, I, did you quite get to finish your thought? You had started to talk about um, uh, the strange times we were in with all these different revolutions there, and you got interrupted. Uh, well, the, well, the thing is, historically speaking, when, when you talk, you know, color revolution, like I said, it's this type of manufactured revolution where uh, intelligence agencies, uh, through various different methods, um, they cause what they, for all intents and purposes, appear to be some kind of a grassroots mm-hmm. thing, and it has all these various um, aspects to it. But historically, the revolution is over once the once whatever the old order is um, is defeated, and you've installed whoever. But this color revolution that's going on in the West, it is different. It's a new thing that we've never really seen before, even with the horrible, and these aren't, weren't color revolutions, but even with the horrible, bloody revolutions, like it, uh, when it, Maoist China became a thing, or when the, when the uh, uh, Bolsheviks took over the, uh, Russia, that kind of thing. Once they had won, now they might install a really oppressive regime, but the revolution would be over. Right. What we have going, the 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 ethos that they've instilled in these uh, leftoids and the various uh, anti-white ethnic groups and anti-Christian uh, whatever groups they are, 
is this sense of permanent revolution where the whole, where the revolutionary ethos and the revolutionary action and all that is the end in itself yeah. and it's just constantly self-perpetuating and and they're really not they're really not fighting anything you know the the people who are are they're not fighting what they think they are the people who consider themselves revolutionaries are actually the greatest defenders of the system. Uh, You know, when they go out and they have some big pride march where, oh, you know, we've got to go out here and show our support for the homosexuals or whatever. Well, that's what the government supports. So they're not being revolutionaries. They're being being stormtroopers for the uh, established order and when they go out and they say we're we're out here to fight racism you're not being a revolutionary you're being a stormtrooper for the established order you are the ultimate conformist you are willing to demonstrate and tear down and fight and commit violence and anarchy in order to maintain the current oppressive order, which somewhere deep down in your bones, you know that something's wrong, but you don't have the wherewithal to say, okay, the thing that's wrong is that everything that we're being told is an established truth is a lie. All this the horrible whitey racism stuff is a lie. All this anti-Christian nonsense is a lie. All this we have to be at war with everything everywhere is a lie. But they they don't have that figured out. And you know the movies and their <laughs> yeah. civic leaders and their schools tell them, oh, you know, historically speaking, white people are awful and look what they did and look what the Christians have done and, oh, the poor this and the poor that. And without without even thinking, they're like, yes, I'm going to go out and be a revolutionary by defending the thing that is supported by the most powerful and oppressive regime in history. That's so true, man. I've noticed that, that all these Artists and musicians and Antifa, they're supported by and propped up by the establishment social media, establishment mainstream media, the government. Yeah. Look at what happened. I don't know exactly the details, but in Oregon, um, this guy, these liberal independent journalists were covering Antifa and they were attacked and there was a lawyer a pro-Antifa lawyer who said, I am Antifa, and she said to this jury, involved in some case regarding Andy No, I guess? Andy No, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where, it's a case where um, he was covering them undercover. He was dressed in the black block stuff with a mask, and they figured out it was him, and they started attacking him uh-huh. and chased him into a hotel, and, and they hurt him. Uh, and this woman you're talking about, uh, acted like she was running from them with him and followed him into the hotel. And she was live streaming to all the Antifa and saying, here he is, he's in this place, let's get him. Right? Wow, I think so. There was another woman who's maybe on his side who was covering the court case. I heard that her wind, I mean, I saw pictures purportedly, her, her car windows were broken out, her ID yeah. was stolen. Don't know if it's by Antifa, but wouldn't be surprised. Because they do a whole lot of doxing and terrorism like that. And this lawyer, right. female lawyer, in this 
says to the jury, I am Antifa and I will remember all of your faces. According to a story that I heard from Slightly Offensive, who's an independent journalist as well. And right. that's, that sounds like jury intimidation to me. <laughs> it, it is. And, and you know, in, in these type of cases, and of course in, in, uh, in Portland and Seattle and places like that, the, the judges are completely okay with this stuff. Yep. But in, ca- in cases like that, that, she should have immediately had the handcuffs put on her and taken to jail. Yeah. And the jury should have been sent home. A mistrial should have been declared. And a new trial started in another jurisdiction right. where this stuff wouldn't be allowed. And the courtroom should have been cleared of everyone except for... Uh, spectators who were essential to be there, and if people are like, oh, they're hiding it, well then, okay, turn on the cameras and live stream it. Right. Yeah. Let's you get know. some, let's get some uh, honesty and transparency, but they don't actually But, but the establishment that. does the same thing. Remember yeah. during the Rittenhouse trial where there, <clears throat> there were CBS reporters who got pulled over by the Kenosha police because they were following and filming the bus that was taking the jurors from the courtroom to their hotel, and they were trying to get these jurors on camera so that they could broadcast it so that those people could get doxxed and intimidated into convicting Rittenhouse. That's wild. Thank God that Rittenhouse. Well, yeah, I mean, there was the one thing where the the one CBS reporter he was a CBS reporter, uh, not not like a local CBS reporter, like a CBS reporter from the CBS network from New York. And when they pulled him over, he started trying to say, "Oh, no, 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 I'm a reporter. Look here, my my uh, uh, my managing editor, or whatever her title was, this woman who was not a Christian from right. New York." Uh, he's like, she's on the phone here. Talk to her <laughs> and all this, you know, and, I and uh, remember that. yeah. And he managed to avoid being arrested, which was, uh, in my opinion, uh, not justice. He should have been arrested. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, th- there's all kinds of weird stuff like that goes on, you know, like, um, baked Alaska has had to go to jail twice now for, uh, going inside, um, Capitol Hill during the J6 thing, but Baked Alaska didn't do any damage. And and as far as I'm concerned, Baked Alaska had just as much um, of a credible defense of being a journalist as anybody else. But all these left-wing journalists that went in there, like, for one, that really sketchy guy who at first people were saying he was Antifa. Oh, yeah. And it, in my opinion, it's more likely that uh, he was some kind of either a straight-up fed or a compromised individual who was like a human asset for the feds or whatever. And he was right there, the one who filmed Ashley Babbitt. And he got to go on uh, CNN and get paid $40,000 or whatever for the coverage and bring this other female reporter with him. And uh, and there were all these other reporters who followed him in. It's like, oh, it's okay, I'm a reporter. No. Right. If it's illegal for them to be in there, it's illegal for you to be in there. Wow. A double standard against against anybody that they want to go after. Well, yeah, and Antifa themselves do this all the time. They use it as a tactic. They'll have a guy, and he'll have on all black, and he'll have on, you know, the the 
half motorcycle helmet or baseball helmet or whatever, and he'll have the Antifa stickers all over his stuff, but he'll have a camera. And when the cops come and they try to rush in to arrest somebody who um, has gotten violent or is holding a weapon or who's thrown a brick or something like that, the guy, he's got a thing on his chest that says, press or reporter or whatever and he jumps in between them with his camera and stops the cops progress to give them time to get away and if they lay a finger on him i said oh my god you're you're bullying the press you're abusing the press wow you know it's it's a it's a whole bunch of silliness the devil is clever i'll give him that absolutely would you like to talk with my favorite caller asmador uh Maze is on the line. It would be my pleasure. From the sundown town of Dayton, Ohio. Maze, how are you doing? You're live with Hake and Asmador. I'm just fine. Nice. Hello, Maze. Since Asmador is your historian, could he tell me when the black people didn't have the right to speak or say anything, why did the laws change for them to have the opportunity to do it? And what year was it? Uh, (laughs) you're saying... Oh, that's funny, right? Uh... No, no. The the it's not funny. The, the, the idea that people wouldn't be allowed to speak is not funny. But I mean, I I don't understand the, when you say they weren't allowed to speak. Are you saying they weren't allowed to voice their political or philosophical opinions? Are they literally weren't allowed to move their lips and make they were words? Not, not. Both. Both. Yes. Um, I'm I'm not I'm not aware of there having been a law that black people were not allowed to speak. I mean, <laughs> some individual slave owner might be like, okay, speak only when you're spoken to or whatever. But the 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 presumption that I would make, I guess, is that uh, at the end of the Civil War, and certainly with the uh, passage of what was the Fourteenth Amendment that uh, gave black citizenship and the right to vote and everything, that uh, okay. they would have been allowed to uh, move their lips and use their lungs and their tongue and utter words at the very oh, really? least. Mm-hmm. And then you're you're a historian to. Uh there was another question I'm going to ask you. Could you tell me the real reason you hate Kamala and Biden? It's not because uh, in Obama, because he chose her to be his VP. That's what's wrong with you all. And I have another thing to say. Wait, wait, wait. You you started to ask a question, but you didn't oh, let did. him respond okay, to the I'm question. Waiting. You accused him of hating Kamala or something like that? No, I said why he don't like her, like Biden, is because of Kamala. We all never I know that. <laughs> I, I, have, I have never liked Joe Biden, ever. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden has been in politics since uh, since I was a little baby being pushed around in a stroller. And by the time I was old enough to uh, be engaged in any kind of uh, uh, enjoyment or interest in politics, I have always considered him an untruthful halfwit who would take whatever position benefited him at the time. Sounds accurate. Uh, and I had never heard of Kamala Harris. And um, I don't hate him uh i no, am like- opposed to the very to the very fiber of my being to what he represents okay so you gave me an answer so and then i wanted to ask you because your your uh, population is declining whose fault is that and why uh well it's uh <laughs> There's not a single answer to that. A large answer to that is a lot of it has to do with the economic and social effects of mass immigration and 
a lot uh, even bigger part of it goes to the uh breaking of traditions surrounding marriage and um advancements in birth control and so forth and yeah. the abortion industry well, um, Ohio, Ohio Ohio settled that so uh the people want what they want it and they're going to get it so abortion had nothing to do with you all because y'all cannot have a baby which is, you it does have something to do with us, though, because we're the How ones who make the baby. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it does you have something have, you can to go do to a lab. because if a woman, if I lay with a woman and uh, a baby is conceived, that's my baby, too. Yeah. Well, why don't you Why don't you complain about the, the sperm labs and all that where women don't have to lay with you at all to get a baby? Well, those are the women that want kids. How do you know that I don't complain about that? Excuse me. Well, I don't hear you ring, ring. I think I don't hear you at the top that, of your uh, voice. I th- I think that for the for the most part, uh, I'm not saying that they should be completely eliminated because I think that uh, when you have a situation where you have a married couple and the husband is sterile, it's a good thing to have a sperm bank so that if that couple wants to conceive and have a child that it's at least the natural-born child of one of the parents, that that's great. But, uh, and I have been vocal about this, I think that most of what they do with the sperm and the eggs at these sperm and egg banks is horrifying, especially now that you have situations where homosexuals will go and they'll buy eggs and they'll pay some woman to carry the baby that they have fertilized their eggs with so that they can raise these uh, science babies. And it's very strange. The male homosexuals always want male babies. So, mm. you know, I'm totally against that stuff. And I'm against single are you, women are you going and getting the themselves impregnated so that they don't even have to have sex with a man to <laughs> be a single okay, no, mother. Household. Are you I'm against, against vasectomy? Are you against vasectomy? Am I what? Against vasectomy. For men can't have kids anymore when they go get fixed up with a vasectomy so they don't have to have children. Are you against no, that? I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not against that if a man chooses to do it. I'm not going to have one myself. Well, why are you concerned about what a woman want to do with her body then? That's the way I do well, And when it comes to a liberal and a conservative, well, let I him think respond they to that. Let him respond. Okay. Let him respond to the concern about right. a woman committing abortion. Well, in the con- in the context of this topic, I'm not concerned about what a woman's doing with her body. I'm concerned about what she's doing with the uh, body of a child. Boom! When it's not a child, when to murder you, a child. When, oh, you don't even know when they mur- when a child is being murdered. I mean, from listening to you all, you don't uh, like a, a woman I that lost a baby because they murdered. did not. When they when they when they abort the child, they have murdered it. Really. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're wrong about that, too. <laughs> no, well, I mean, that's, because they that's have, subjective. They, have, still, you can, you they can, have babies that die inside your body, and they have to abort it to get it out. So you're talking about that? No, no we're not it, talking about it, that. <laughs> well, really, that's we're, what we're not, we're, we're not talking about the half of 1% of things that uh, pro-abortionists, uh, you, know, you know, fans of uh, mm-hmm. infanticide like to bring up. We're talking about the 9999 percent of abortions which are elective that are done for lifestyle right. reasons mm-hmm. yeah. but anyway it was nice talking and, to and you. finally I, one thing that i would like to say that never gets brought up um 
if these women are so concerned about being in control of their bodies and everything and they don't want to have babies, let them take control of their bodies and stop having all this sex outside of wedlock. Yeah. Problem well, solved. Well, well, the problem would be solved if they stop messing with young girls and trafficking and all this stuff, with all these things like that. Is that right? Do you think that will change a whole lot of things? That what we percentage see? of abortions do you think? Uh, what percentage of abortions in the United States do you think are the result of um, child rape and sex trafficking? What, a, whole a, a whole lot of them. A whole lot. A whole lot of them. Yeah, a whole lot of them. What? Ten? A hundred? Because when you know that y'all used to have when you used to have pimps and stuff, and the women were doing the things for you all. And they got pregnant where they can go get an abortion. But see, black women had, they aborted black babies, and women didn't have a choice. She didn't have a choice because it was aborted because they wanted to keep her out on the farm, doing the things, well, and slavery, and pay slavery too. Those poor black so, women can't be forced and to have sterilized. No, they sterilized a lot of black kids, people, women, they couldn't have kids. So they had to adopt yeah. kids. So what do you think about well, that? Sterilize a woman. I think. I think that sterilizing people against their will, no matter what race they are, mm-hmm. is evil. And I think so, that forcing people to have abortions is evil. And you think forcing men to have vasectomies should be evil, too? But you say you don't have no I problem think with forcing them to is. I think, I think if a man wants to have a vasectomy or a woman wants to have her tubes tied or something like that, whether it's because they've already had enough children or they don't wish to have children, and they are an adult. I don't think they should be allowed to do this stuff before they're an adult. But if they're an adult and they, for whatever reason, they have chosen to undergo a procedure in which they will not produce children if they have sex, I think that should be up to them. Now, as far as all this outside of marriage promiscuity goes. I'm not for that, but I'm not one of these people who's out here saying, oh, we've got to put a stop to it, because there is no putting a stop to it. Um, it, It's gone on since the beginning of time. It's just when I believe that we should have a more traditional approach, that when young people have sex outside of wedlock, and the parents find out, especially if they find out because the female is pregnant, that all this abortion nonsense should not be an option. There should only be one option. Hey, guess what? We're having a wedding. Yep. Sounds really? good to me. It used to be shotgun weddings. They don't have those anymore because you got people getting married, married men, messing around with single women, For, having babies, right. and they don't know nothing about it. But they're not having a fit about that. You sitting there having a bickering about what black people are doing. But yours are doing the same thing, and I say liberals what, and conservatives are two of the same people. What black people are doing today? Well, you I, I thought we were talking in very broad strokes, and I thought no, that I'm most just, of my criticism today went went towards mm-hmm. white people on mm-hmm. in right wing politics. Yeah, when you were talking about slavery and they benefited from it, yeah. y'all benefited from somebody feeding y'all to keep your people from starving with the peanut man. You remember there that? Was a, there were benefits <laughs> on both sides. If the no, no, if no, white because people when they came not, here. When the slaves came here, they already knew how to do things. They just couldn't speak the language. Benefits and, and they brought a lot with them when they came, but they never now, get any credit I, for it. I, I don't. I don't necessarily agree with that, Maze. But it, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole with you. Right. But well, I have pictures. There were. I have there pictures. Were benefits. I have. I'm trying to agree with you here. If you'll give me a second to okay. agree with you, there were benefits to the slave owners. There were not benefits to the 99 percent. 
of whites in the South who didn't own any slaves. There were not benefits to them. It was it was bad for them. Yeah. But to the slave owners, of course, there were benefits, or they would not have spent the money. Now, <laughs> as it turned out, a lot of the perceived benefits that they thought they had were not actually benefits because when the slaves were freed, it turned out that paying people to come and grow the crops and tend the crops and harvest the crops turned out to be a much more efficient system than having this whole system where you owned people and you had to take care of them from cradle to grave and all that. And, and in many instances had to force them to labor and everything. Uh, I, you know, I, I personally, uh, wish that the institution for, for several reasons, some of which you would agree with and some of which would probably offend you, I wish that there had never been a single slave in America ever. I do, too, and I wish there was never, for the Native American side, I wish nobody would never step plant on, put I'm on, a their, Native American. on their soil. I am, too. Same so, here. And, 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 yeah, and, I'm, an Anglo, and, and, I'm an Anglo-Saxon. We are the yeah, you're Same Anglo-Saxon, here. you're not Native Native. But anyway, yes, as are. I no. say, your, your history... <laughs> no, we created the United States of America. You didn't create the United States. Cleared, it was here when it was here. Built its forest, built the country. We're the Native. built it. So I'm, let me tell you some history. We have our history, <laughs> and it's documented, and we have pictures, and we have books, and we have written, and we know our history. And then, again, I'm going to tell you something about 2023. There's this, this, this biracial child, biracial young man. He's working in the state Wrap with a whole lot of people. Wrap it up, he's, Mace. He, he, they don't know that he's, he's, he's biracial. They just think he's a white man. And the things that he said to sit down and listen to them say about his people every day. And he wants his father to come to his graduation when he finished what he's doing. And they're going to be in a state of shock. That's 2023. So if y'all get rid of that that feeling that y'all got, y'all can be some better people. Well, well I'm never going to get rid of the feeling that I'm against. So you watch who you're talking to and who you're talking around because you might have one just sitting in there with you and you don't even know. What, what do I care? Huh? Well, I mean, what do, what do I care? What does he care? Yeah, that's he's what, telling, that's what he's you, telling that's the truth problem. is he what do you sees, care? sees it. What? He's but not a mama. Mays, would yeah, you agree right. that there are many, many black people who are against race mixing? Oh, yeah, that's all I'm against race mixing. Most people. Okay, well, they, watch what they, say, they watch what they say around me. Yes, they do, because they know, the, they, know the, they, know the, they know the biracial children. Y'all don't. No, I'm saying should they watch what they say around me, but should they worry about my feelings that, that do they don't know, think that... Uh, as Madoa, do you know my uncle? I have his papers from... The, uh, he died in... Uh, uh, well, he was uh, uh, born in 1806. I got do you know we it. got all his papers Please. that he was working on the farm for five cents a week? Hey, man, do you, know the, color of, do you know the color of the first person to own black slaves in the United States? It was a black... He owned them, but guess what? He helped them... He he owned slaves, but he did not beat them. He did not rape them, and he did not make children with them. Now, how do that's you, the where do you between, get that? That's the the only the only historical record there even is of him is that he created the entire system of <laughs> lifelong slavery, inter- multi generational slavery, because what, all opinion. that they had at the time, all that they had at the time, and was the what was called indentured servitude, and mm-hmm. that meant that after a certain number of years of working, you'd be set free. But when it was time for him to set his slaves free, he took them to court and sued and was allowed to keep them forever, and that set the legal precedent. So the institution of chattel slavery in North America 
was started by a black man, and there's no historical record no, about not. whether he raped because you were or sla- not. Your people were slaves too when you first when you first got here. You, my uh, uh, mom was slaves. Maze, yeah, your people were slaves. I got to end it, Maze. I appreciate. Huh? Mine were, there were yeah, Irish your people were slaves, slaves too. And so forth, but I'm not Irish. You just like Robert E. Lee. I tell you, I know some of his grandkids. All right, Maze. Mm-hmm. So that's Thank where we go there. But you don't have no history on that, do you? I wish we could go on forever, man. Yeah, we but need we to so he go. can learn and stop hating people and understand people. And, I don't uh, hate anybody. And, I don't well, hate you. Well, I don't hate you either. But you need to understand okay. when you're talking about awesome. your history. <laughs> okay. History can tell I'll, you the I'll, truth. I'll work. I'll work on it. Okay, and you need to work on it. <laughs> and maybe you'll like yourself better. Thank you for better. calling, Maze. I <laughs> have enjoy a good talking. One. You have a good day. I, I, I really uh, did enjoy talking to Maze. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Same here. And that's why I allowed it to go on long. Uh, Azador, it's been great talking to you and having you on. I cannot get to the rest of the callers. Justin in Fullerton wanted to talk about how to unite the country through pra- patriotism. But Azador, your parting comments on the Hake Report here today. Go ahead. Well, I, I, I tell you, just, just to get to the to the very basics of the thing that you and uh, and Jesse talk about, and this was a this was a big revelation to me um, when I finally uh, started getting familiar. When I started watching you and Jesse on D Live, and I started understanding Jesse's whole thing, right? Yeah. Um, don't operate out of hate and anger because it will steer you wrong. You can be pro-white, you can be uh, pro-America, and you can fight for these things, but you'll be a lot more effective if you're not hateful. And um, a determined man who does things out of love, he defends the things that he loves out of his love and determination, is far more dangerous to the evil enemy than a hateful man. Right. Very true. Great point, man. Appreciate you. I want to thank you for having me on, James. I have really enjoyed this. Yeah, You're going to have to come on my show soon. Yeah, I will. Just uh, hit me up if you have a specific date in mind. If not, I'll, I'll get, I will get back to you, and we'll make it happen. All right. Thanks again. Okay. Man. All right. Take care. All right. This has been the Hake Report, guys. Justin and Fullerton, I cannot get to you. The Super Chats, I will read you tomorrow. Any that I missed? Enjoy Goaty Hook, Middle Ground, from the 1997 album Banana Man. And adios, America. Bye.
the battle of Jericho. Yes, he helped Daniel get out the lion's den.